Hello, this is Carl Mailer from the Let's Talk Sports podcast. Are you one of the many people like me who love to voice their opinions? Then, well, the Anchor app is for you. Me, myself, I love using the Anchor app because I love voicing my opinion about everything sports. If you would like to get started on your own podcast, you can go to anchor.fm slash start to make your own podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Let's Talk Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Carl Miller. We talk all things sports. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you did not see the article about uh, Brooks Kopecka when the USA was taking on the Europeans, the international players, in the Ryder Cup last week. Brooks Kopecka had a drive on hole number six that just went terribly wrong. And there was a young lady that traveled all the way from Egypt to come see the Ryder Cup in France. And the ball hit her in the right eye. Knocking her out completely. Brooks Kompeka was feeling so devastated. So devastated. It turns out when she went to the doctors. The doctors told her she had lost sight in her whole right eye. Her eyeball had exploded. Her eye socket had exploded. That's, uh, that's, some, that's some scary stuff right there. To... To hear what a what a golf ball can do to you that that is just compelling and and granted you know the golf ball is coming in really fast and you may not believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you who do not watch golf, but when those golfers hit the golf ball with full momentum and full force, that ball is going over a hundred miles an hour. So when that ball is coming dead at you, whether you're paying attention or not, you're going to get hurt. And I, I do, I feel bad for the young lady because that, that's no way how you want to spend the rest of your life, especially attending a, a highly, highly anticipated event in the, with the Ryder Cup. It's just no way to go. But I am, I'm, I'm sad to hear that. Prayers are are upset to, to the young lady who lost her sight in her right eye. But it's it's a part of the game. Stuff like that happens in the game of golf. There's golfers all the time hitting spectators, and they reward the spectators. I think if I ever had the chance to go see a PGA Tour event, and I just happened to so get hit by a golf ball... You know, I wouldn't mind taking, you know, if they signed a golf glove or a ball and gave it to me, I wouldn't mind it, but I wouldn't need it. But it would be pretty cool to get one of those instead of paying so much money online, like on Amazon or or the PJTour.com website. But it is, it's still a sad thing to hear about because you're going there to have a good time and you get hit by a golf ball at God knows how fast it was going and it knocks you out. The MLB postseason is officially almost underway. We have an American League wildcard game tonight between the Oakland Athletics and the New York Yankees to determine who will play the Boston Red Sox in the American League Division Series. 
All the, all the other series are set. The Indians will take on the Houston Astros. The Colorado Rockies, who won in last night's wild card, in a nationally wild card game in extra innings in 13, 2-1 over the Chicago Cubs, will take on the Milwaukee Brewers, who beat the Cubs in order to win the National League Central Division. So the Brewers, I know for sure, are going to be riding the hot hand going into that going into that uh, division play. But I'm not going to count out the Rockies on that one. And then we got my Atlanta Braves taking on the Los Angeles Dodgers. You know, looking at these four these four game series. And I'm just waiting to see what happens with the Oakland game and the Yankees game later on tonight. But if I had to look at these games and choose a team to move on or choose teams to move on to the championship series, um, it's tough because all these teams have had streaks this year of when they were hot. Some have maintained the hot streak and some kind of just cooled off a little bit. But honestly, I'm excited for for this postseason. I'm excited to see. I'm hoping some some surprises happen. And I'm going to still keep to my word that if the Boston Red Sox do not win the World Series, then this season was a complete waste for the Boston Red Sox. And I think the fans should feel the same way to a certain extent. I think the fans feel like we had the best record in baseball at one point in time early in the season. It was us and the Yankees just going at it. No one else in that division was even close. And if you lose, and especially if the Yankees play the Red Sox, if the Yankees win tonight and they play the Red Sox, I can't imagine what the fans would be going through if the Yankees were to beat the Red Sox in the division series. Or even if the Oakland Athletics were to beat the Red Sox in the division series. I think a lot of the fans in Boston would feel like this is a big waste to the season because we had the best record. We had... I would say the best offense this year. They had they the Oak the Boston Red Sox had the best offense this year, bar none in baseball. They had a lot of power, solid defense. But is it going to transition over into the postseason? I know for sure it is, but can they carry that all the way to a World Series title? That's basically, in my opinion, what the Red Sox are playing for. Now, honestly, I am pulling for my Atlanta Braves to do some damage in the playoffs. And I was actually talking to an Atlanta Braves fan, a fellow Atlanta Braves fan, the other day when I was at work. And I had, you know, I told him that, sir, I like your I like your hat, I like your shirt. He said, oh, well, thanks, man. And I said, how do you feel about Atlanta being in the playoffs? He and he told me that he's kind of he's really nervous about Atlanta being in the first round. He says that we are probably not going to do good in the first round. And I said, "Well, why is that?" He said, 
depend on the team we play. And yes, I understand that Atlanta, when you look at Atlanta, they had a chance. And and really, Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves had a chance to be at least the number two seed in the postseason in the National League. They had a chance, but they they hurt themselves by losing two out of the three in the season finale against the Philadelphia Phillies, who, who and, and let me tell you guys, any Philadelphia Philly fans out there, I'm going to throw a stat out. It's a win-loss record stat that's probably going to piss you off, but I'm going to say it anyways. You look at the Philadelphia Phillies, they were, fifth, they were over 10 games, if not a little bit more, over 500. After a certain point in August. And after that, I believe it was August 17th or August 7th. They were 15 games over 500. And after that, the Philadelphia Phillies finished 14 and 33. That right there was probably pushing it with with the Baltimore Orioles for being one of the worst teams towards the end. Now, granted, the Baltimore Orioles were the worst team in baseball this year. The Baltimore Orioles didn't even win 50 games. But the Phillies had a chance. The Phillies had a chance to to not have another losing season. And what happens? They end up losing for the six years in a row. They have had a losing season. Six years they've had a losing season in a row. And that's tough. You have a new manager. You have, I would say the Phillies had had a decent rotation. But Phillies had terrible. They had a terrible bullpen. And my dad's a Phillies fan. And it's kind of bad when... When you talk, when you're talking with your dad, and he's like, "Oh, I stopped watching it because Phillies they just sucked." He basically, in a nutshell, said, "The Phillies after they started sucking, I stopped paying attention." And that and that's sad because honestly, it, it, it's it was fun. It was honestly fun at some at at points throughout the season. For me and my dad to just go back and forth on on the Braves and the Phillies. Because, I mean, let's just be honest, ladies and gentlemen. No one expected the Braves nor the Phillies to even be, to even have competed for that division. And and really, if, you, if you're looking at it, I think a lot of people around baseball, a lot of fans just in general... Would have been like, oh, the Nationals, they're taking that division. The Mets, they should finish second. Phillies third, Braves fourth, Marlins fifth. Now, granted, the Marlins still finished fifth. Mets, they finished fourth. And, and here's the thing. And and I was talking to, and when, as, when I mentioned talking about with my dad, we were talking about who should win the National League Cy Young. As As hard as it is, for pitchers to do so well during a season, especially a long season like that. 
because you play 162 games, which is by far, obviously, the longest season in professional sports is baseball. (laughs) Jacob deGrom had the best pitching year for the New York Mets. He led the MLB in ERA. But here's the thing. The Mets just couldn't give him really any run support throughout most of the season when he pitched. And it was sad. But honestly, I I do think that Jacob deGrom should should win the National League Cy Young. If if he doesn't win it, then I have a good feeling that Max Scherzer will win it from the Washington Nationals. But back to my Atlanta Braves. I honestly, you know, uh, the Braves, they do scare me just a little bit being in the postseason. Because they were one of the few teams, or they were probably one of the many teams this year, that had a just a cold streak, hot streak type of season. They could win like seven, eight, nine in a row, and then they would lose like five, six in a row. And then they would get they would win a little bit more, then they would lose some. So really that's if that is going to define how Atlanta had played this year, even though Atlanta won the division with a 90 and 72 record. I'm still happy. I'm still happy that the Atlanta Braves won the National League East. Because it was a very long five years for, for myself and for the rest of Atlanta fans out there. I really hope that they can upset the Dodgers because the Dodgers... When they beat the Rockies the other night in that tiebreaker for the division, the Dodgers won their sixth straight National League West pennant. So Dodger fans know going into the game Thursday, because game one between the Braves and the Dodgers in L.A. is tomorrow night, 8.37 Eastern, on the MLB Network channel. Mike Fultonevich is going up against not Clayton Kershaw, which I think a lot of people, and, and, and I think a lot of fans too, were expecting Clayton Kershaw to pitch in game one. Because Clayton Kershaw, let's, be, let's just be real for a second, ladies and gentlemen. Clayton Kershaw in the postseason is a dangerous, he's a dangerous man. He's a dangerous player overall. I mean, let's just keep it, let's just keep it 100. He... He is a dangerous player overall. His pitching is off the charts. He, he, I would be scared if I was, if I was an opposing player, and I saw Clayton Kershaw standing ninety feet in front of me, pitching, I would be scared. I don't think I would ever get a hit off of him because he's so. He can confuse you with so many different pitching styles. He has so many different ways of just of just working the strike zone. It is incredible. But game one tomorrow between the Braves and the Dodgers, 837 on the MLB network. I'm gonna make sure I tune into that game series because I want my Atlanta Braves to do some magic this year. You know, and, and it's funny because when I was uh when when the hockey season was still going on, and the hockey season is about to start here in a little while, it's coming up in in a couple of days. When the Washington, 
when the Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup, I had mentioned something about on my podcast that it might be the year for the Washington for the Washington fan base to win some championships. And honestly, you know, when I said that, I think I might have cursed the Nationals. I I honestly think I might have cursed the Nationals. Because the Nationals at that point in time when I said it, the Nationals were leading the division. But the Nationals for like the last couple months of the season, they were not even in first place. They never got close to first place. The Nationals always had like a 7 to 8 game difference to get to first place. So I I didn't I did not mean to curse any Washington team any Washington teams out there. And if I did then that one's on me. But I am looking forward to the hockey season coming up. I actually had a friend ask me if I watched hockey and I and I, and I was honest with them. And I and I I can be and I will be a hundred and I will be a hundred percent straight up with you guys. I am not the biggest hockey fan out there. <laughs> I do not watch hockey on a nightly basis, but I do from time to time see myself watching it and being like and, and I and I'm really even though I've watched it numerous of times. I am still confused as hell as to what is going on out there. I'm like, well, what is offsides? What? Why is there even offsides in hockey? I mean, you're just skating around a ring of ice, and that's just me. I never played hockey. I never tried to play hockey because I put it on ice skates. I would probably fall and bust my face. And funny story is, is I actually went ice skating one time. Down in Wilmington, North Carolina, there was an ice ring down there. I went with a group of friends. This was, God, this was probably years ago. It was a church event. And I can remember uh, my cousin. My cousin came with me. And it, like I said, it, it, was a, it was like a church trip. It, it was for the younger, not younger kids, but I was young back then. And... I can remember I had the hardest time, the hardest time putting on ice skates. And the 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 shoe that that ice skate was so heavy. It was so heavy. So anyways, I I go out there onto the ice ring and you and, and anybody that knows me knows that I cannot I don't skate. And when I tried when I was little even with a skateboard I wouldn't even try to attempt to <clears throat> to ride a skateboard like like most people do. I would either sit my butt down on the skateboard, go down the hill in my old neighborhood, or I would lay flat on my stomach with my knees almost scraping the ground, with my arms almost hitting the ground and going downhill. That is what I thought that's what I did for a skateboard or whatnot. But when I put those ice skates on, Going in the ice ring, there was like maybe 
over 30 some people plus people out there in that ice ring because there was a lot of us that went that day down in Wilmington. And my sorry self was just riding the side of the ice ring the entire time. And I even attempted, I even attempted to try to move like eyes, like, like professional hockey players do or anyone that, that ice skates or whatever. And I am the worst one out there. I guarantee you, if I put on ice skates today and go up against a little kid, the little kid would outperform me by far. He would outperform me big time. And my cousin ended up uh, lodging his tooth. And my cousin had braces on at the time. He ended up lodging his tooth up into his gum. It was so disgusting. And he was laughing about it. I was like, what the heck is wrong with him? Because my, I know for sure if that happened to me, if I was wearing braces at that time and my tooth somehow got lodged into my gum, I would probably be crying like a little girl. And I'm not saying that to try to try to, you know, to try to be funny. I'm not saying that to make a joke. I'm just saying I would probably cry like a little girl if that happened. And it's the same way with roller skating. Any form of skating I completely suck at. But anyways, I had a friend ask me, who is my favorite team? And I had to really think about it because honestly, last year when the Las Vegas Golden Knights were an inaugural team that formed, I was actually pulling for Las Vegas because they were a very hot team and especially everything that had trans that had transitioned, everything that had transpired, I should say, in Las Vegas during that time period. I think a lot of fans in hockey were pulling for Las Vegas. And the Golden Knights were actually performing quite well. And they even got to the Stanley Cup Finals. They had a chance to beat the Washington Capitals. And honestly, I was pulling... I was pulling for the Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup Finals. But obviously, when you have a player like Alex Ovechkin, who has been around the game of hockey for a very long time. I remember when Alex Ovechkin was playing when I was probably 12, 13 years old. He's been around the league for a while. But when Alex Ovechkin won his first Stanley Cup Finals championship, I was happy for him. I was pulling for the Golden Knights to win it, but I was happy for him. But when my friend had asked me who my favorite team was, I had to sit there and really think. And I ended up choosing the Philadelphia Flyers. I, and, and like I told you guys a couple minutes ago, I have no idea. I have no idea about anything about hockey. I don't even know a play, a single player on the Philadelphia Flyers roster. I just picked them. And it's not because my dad is a Flyers fan, because my dad is a Philadelphia Flyers fan. And my dad actually watches hockey more than I do. Like I said, I'm not a big hockey fan. But I chose them. I mean, I might just go with the Las Vegas Golden Knights. 
If they can start out this, the new season coming up the way they did last season, I'm telling you right now, ladies and gentlemen, the Golden Knights are going to win. They're going to win a Stanley Cup championship in the next few years. If they played the way they did last year, last season, this season, watch out. The Golden Knights are going to win a Stanley Cup championship. Could they possibly become the newest face of hockey? Who knows? Because for the longest time, hockey was surrounded by the the face of hockey, at least in my eyes, were the Detroit Red, uh, Red Wings for the longest time. And then for a little while, you had the Chicago Blackhawks. Could the Golden Knights be next? We'll find out that this season when hockey starts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I told you guys yesterday, I posted it on my Instagram story, my official Instagram story, and my podcast Instagram story, why I think Patrick Showtime Mahomes will end up being an elite NFL quarterback in the years to come. Here's a guy in Patrick Mahomes that got drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs last year in the draft. And I think a lot of fans in the Kansas City organization knew that the Alex Smith heir was coming to an end. And it ended up coming to an end earlier this year when Alex Smith got traded to my Washington Redskins. So everyone knew in the Chiefs organization, everyone knew in in the NFL, that Patrick Showtime Mahomes was going to be the starting quarterback and the leader for Andy Reid's Kansas City Chiefs. And let me tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, what I have seen so far out of Patrick Mahomes in just four games into the new year, into the new season, Patrick Mahomes is looking like the real effing deal. He is looking like the real deal, ladies and gentlemen. He has completed 90 passes out of 138 attempts for 1,200 yards and 14 touchdowns to zero interceptions. That is what Patrick Mahomes has done so far in just four games. As an NFL quarterback, I have a good feeling, ladies and gentlemen, that Patrick Mahomes could possibly be the leader in passing yards this season and passing touchdowns for the NFL. I really do. I really feel like Patrick Mahomes can be... The next best quarterback in the NFL. And I just want to go over his stats and what he did in college at the University of Texas Tech. So Patrick Mahomes was the quarterback from 2014 to 2016. So in his first year as a starter, Patrick Mahomes completed 56.8% of his passing for 1547. He had 16 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. 
The next year, Patrick Mahomes completed 63.5% of his passes for 46-53, for 36 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. And then in his very last year, before he decided he was going to go, that he was going to declare for the draft, Patrick Mahomes passed for 65.7% of his passes. He threw for 50-52, and he completed 41 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. And he finished his college career with 93 touchdowns to 29 interceptions. That right there is very... And, and for three years, that's very good. I mean, obviously... There's been a lot more college quarterbacks in recent times to have done even more. But Patrick Showtime Mahomes is going to be the real deal. And granted, the Chiefs do not have the best defense in football. And let's just be honest, going back to Monday night's game between the Chiefs and the Broncos... And I'm just going to say this in general. Anytime you have a divisional game, doesn't matter what division it's in in the NFL, they always seem to be very close tight games. And that was the same way with this Chiefs and Denver game Monday night. And honestly, when I turned on the channel, because I had to work that night too, when I turned on the TV to to tune into the game, the game was tied going into halftime 10-10. And I was very shocked. I was like, wow, this Patrick Mahomes guy who annihilated the Pittsburgh Steelers with six passing touchdowns, he's tied with Case Keenum and, and the Broncos. And I'm And I'm not taking anything away from the Denver Broncos with Case Keenum. I really hope Case Keenum is the next quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Because Paxton Lynch did not work out. And obviously Brock Eisweiler, he got a little bit overpaid in Denver. But there were some key plays in that game. And I will say this about Patrick Mahomes. And I don't know if anyone else, and I'm sure some of you guys have. But Patrick Mahomes has a freaking cannon for an arm. So I just want to go over this one play that Patrick Mahomes had. It was a second down and 30. And this was on the drive. This was on the drive that the Chiefs had on their last possession to take the lead against the Broncos. They were down 23 to 20. And clearly, you know, the Chiefs were not going to play for a tie to go into overtime. It was a second down and 30. And Denver does have a pretty solid, they don't have a a great defense, but they have a solid defense led by Von Miller. And Von Miller is very fast, so you got to be careful when you're playing around Von Miller. But it was a second down and 30. And Patrick Mahomes was scrambling to the right, and all of a sudden, you see his arm just get... His arm is just cocked back, and then he just releases the ball so quick that he ended up throwing that ball for, I believe it was 23 yards, and it ended up bringing down to a third and seven. And then on this play right here, on the third and seven, 
And I know for sure they showed it on the highlights of the game. And I know it was all over all over Twitter, probably all over Bleacher Report. Denver brought another blitz because Denver's crowd was getting to Patrick Mahomes all night. And just four games, that was probably one of the worst games Patrick Mahomes had. But it also wasn't, it was also one of his great games. So on this third and seven, Denver brings another blitz package. Patrick Mahomes is scrambling to the right. And Von Miller, and like I mentioned just a, just a little bit ago, Von Miller is one of the fastest defensive players in the league. He was chasing down Patrick Mahomes, and Von Miller was like gaining on Patrick Mahomes. As soon as Patrick Mahomes felt Von Miller wrap around him, he switches the ball from his right hand to his left hand and just flicks it. He looked like he just flicked it. And the Chiefs got a first down. Joe Tessertor and Jason Wynn, the two men that are new in the Monday Night Football booth, were completely just, they were like, oh my gosh. And Boogie McFarlane, the sideline analyst who, and I will say this, I uh, and I told my dad this the other night. I said, dad, I really don't like the, the I don't really don't like Boogie McFarlane on the sideline with his, with this little thing he sits in. And just can just control where he wants to go around the field. I think I think that's a cheap way just to, you know, not do anything. You're sitting down, you know, talking about football and all that. But I mean, it is what it is. And I was completely blown away. I was watching that game. I was and I watched that play and I was like, oh my gosh. I have never seen, at least in my time that I've watched the NFL, every season I've watched it, I've never seen a quarterback, you know, as soon as he is about to go down being tackled by one of the NFL's top pass rushers, just switch the ball from his throwing hand to his non-throwing hand and just like flick it. I believe he he passed it to Tyreek Hill, if I'm not mistaken. It was either Tyreek Hill or Kareem Hunt. But that was a game-saving play. And the Chiefs ended up going on to win 27-23 and moving to 4-0 in the division. The Chargers are 2-2. The Broncos are 2-2. And the John Gruden heir has finally got himself a win on the season from Sunday from a 45 to 42 shootout with the Cleveland Browns. The Oakland Raiders are now 1 and 3 on the season. It's going to be very tough to catch up to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense because they're they're going to have a high-powered offense. And I do expect Patrick Mahomes to throw some interceptions this year. I do expect him to. But, man, Patrick Mahomes, he is just blowing away the NFL so far in these first four games. And I'm excited. I really am. I know it's going to suck to play against him whenever Washington does play against Kansas City. Again, if Patrick Mahomes is, plays like this his whole career the way he is. And I know it's early. But, man, Patrick Mahomes is looking good. He is looking real good.
And speaking of other NFL news, Earl Thomas, and I mentioned this the other day on my Twitter feeds, my official Twitter feed and my podcast Twitter feed, that losing Earl Thomas in his contract year is going to be a big blow to Seattle's already like blown up defense, I guess you can say. The Legion of Boom is no longer... And there was talks about Earl Thomas going to the Cowboys. That was like the biggest talk of the offseason, especially after Dallas had played Seattle. I believe it was last year, two years ago, and Earl Thomas walked up to some of the Cowboys' coaching staff and says, come get me. And there was talks at one time this year that the Cowboys wanted to get Earl Thomas, but Seattle was asking, obviously, for a high amount in return for Earl Thomas. And even the Kansas City Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs were almost completely sold on Earl Thomas. And then Earl Thomas suffers a fractured leg against the winless Arizona Cardinals and Steve Wilkes, the 0-4 Cardinals. And I don't know, and I'm sure a lot of you have already saw this video go viral, but Earl Thomas, as he's being carted away, He flips off the Seattle Seahawks as to basically saying, F you for not doing what you were supposed to do. Contract year, and he is done for the rest of the year. That is going to be a big blow to to Seattle's chances of even competing in the National League West. The National League West, it seems like, has taken a big blow in football. Jimmy Garoppolo is out for the rest of the year. He tore his ACL. Earl Thomas is out for the rest of the year with a broken fracture leg. And, I mean, Arizona Cardinals, they don't really have any big significant injuries, but it's just the Arizona Cardinals. They are not playing as a complete team. Steve, it would not surprise me if Steve Wilkes is gone after the, this year. Now, granted, I think in order to be a successful coach in the NFL, it obviously takes time. It takes a while to be a successful coach. I mean, just look at Bill Belichick, one of the successful coaches of all time in the NFL. He is for sure going to go in the Hall of Fame. There's no question about that. But it, honestly, the way the NFL is nowadays, it would not surprise me if if Steve Wilkes is gone after just this one season. If Arizona goes into this week, if Arizona starts, if they do not win one game before their bye week, Steve Wilkes is definitely going to be on the hot seat. And and it's sad because Josh Rosen is was thrown into the game against Chicago last week. And Chicago should have lost that game when Josh Rosen came in. And it's also sad because Sam Bradford is now the third-string quarterback in Arizona. So basically, you can just say that Sam Bradford's time has come to a dead end in Arizona. And that's basically just Sam Bradford's career coming to a dead end. Ever since Sam Bradford left the Rams when they were still in St. Louis, his career's just gone downhill. He had a little bit of success in Philly, but
but he obviously was not the answer in Philly. He had he hardly played in Minnesota, and now he's with the Arizona Cardinals. And Sam Bradford has he's just underperformed. And Josh Rosen played plenty. He played from what I saw. He played pretty decent against a Seattle team. But Arizona Cardinals are still winless. Seattle loses their big defensive player for the year. And that's a big blow. And then speaking of other big blows, anyone who knows the Cincinnati Bengals knows Tyler Effort. He, and, and, and it was, it was really gruesome. And I would suggest to my viewers that if you don't want to see a gruesome injury, please do not watch that video. Because it even warns you right before you're going to play it. This video may contain this. Are you sure you want to watch it? So I click play. And the way his foot looked. Oh man. It it was so disgusting. Tyler. The Cincinnati Bengals tight end has, has never played a, a complete season I don't believe. He is it seems like Tyler Effort has been hurt the last like 3 or 4 years. He can't seem to stay he can't seem to stay healthy. And if I was and if I'm Cincinnati, I know that injury was devastating and I know it, it has to suck. But you might just have to get rid of him. You might have to just cut ties with him and get another tight end in the draft. Oh man, it was it was so gruesome. It reminds me of one time. Uh, this was back in middle school. I was it was eighth grade year, and we were at football practice one time. And and I forgot and I forgot the dude's name. I I and I and it and it's sad. I forgot the dude's name. But we were doing a a tackling drill, the Oklahoma tackling drill. Anyone who has played football knows that the Oklahoma tackling drill is when you have two players laying on the ground, the coach blows the whistle, you pop up, and you try to hit each other as hard as you can. And and honestly, I honestly, it, it, I wasn't involved in the drill. I wasn't, well, I shouldn't say that. I was involved in the drill, but I wasn't involved with the player who suffered his injury. But anyways... We were standing there, and, and practice had to be stopped. Ambulance had to be called in. The player's foot, and anyone who knows, when your foot is the way it is, compl- just straight, when your foot is turned to the side facing either the left direction or the right direction, you're going to be in some major pain. And I can still remember that because it was so gruesome because you're 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 sitting there, you're standing there watching it, and then you look down, and you're like, well, his foot's not supposed to be like that. The NFL injury bug is taking over some of the players this year, and it's going to probably continue. It seems like the NFL injury bug always takes those key important players away from certain teams. But I want to thank you guys for tuning in today. To the Let's Talk Sports podcast. As always, I'm your host, Carl Miller, where we talk all things sports.